Good morning. My name is Mallory Ruark, and I do several things here at the table. But first and foremost, I am the winner of the costume contest from last night's <laughs> ball festival. <laughs> Self-proclaimed, because I was the only adult who dressed up. I have no regrets. <laughs> I'm also the co-director of discipleship here with Deb Sternke, and I'm currently doing my supervised ministry here at the table. Hey, yo. <laughs> this morning, I have the privilege of proclaiming good news to you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My grandmother is spicy. Her name is Claudia Maroney. She's German-Irish, very excited about the Irish. Her vocals, thunderous. Her hair was fiery red. She had these bougie gold shoes she loved to wear all the time. And she knows how to lay down a rule or two. So much so that my dad renamed her Claudia Law. You need to know how to wash her dishes? She knows. You need to know how to edge her property line just right? Claudia will let you know real quick. You need to know how to merge her car onto the highway successfully. You guessed it, backseat driver Claudia Law has your back. <laughs> My dad naming my grandma Claudia Law is a family trope. It's a caricature of my grandmother. It in no way defines her entire personhood. It's a way of teasing my grandmother because she, like many of us in my family, have an opinion or two. But what happens if the trope of Claudia Law becomes the only lens that I have for understanding and knowing my grandmother? Sure, the trope brings us a lot of laughs, but if it's the only way I engage in knowing her, I miss out on layers and layers of goodness of who my grandmother is. Might I suggest that we do this to God? Church, today we proclaim the good news that you don't have to live in fear that God is going to chastise you if he hasn't taken a daily dose of Jesus. All scripture illuminates that the divine is the same yesterday, today, and forever, actively pursuing and caring for the people of God. Church, today we are invited to untangle ourselves from the religious tropes that hold us captive from the good news that God is like Jesus. The Jeremiah passage today at first listen can sound a little edgy. There's children's teeth set on edge, plucking and breaking, and all shall die, new covenants. The book of Jeremiah as a whole can feel a little tense, and so the passage can get a bit confusing. And I'm wondering if when we read these passages that don't immediately translate to our modern lenses and understandings, do our religious tropes create lenses and understandings for us? I'm gonna propose yes, or else my sermon is done. 
And what's the lens that pops up for you when these types of verses come up? For me, it centers in the hands of an angry God. The book of Jeremiah gives insight into rampant social injustice happening in the marginalized peoples, specifically to widows, orphans, and immigrants. Injustice is unrestrained. Our passage today comes before the Babylonians take the Israelites into exile. In the face of layers of injustice being done to the Israelites and the injustices done by the Israelites, Jeremiah is proclaiming God's justice, hope, and love for them. Before the Israelites head into exile, Jeremiah is reminding the people of God's faithfulness here in the midst of certain tragedy, God's love and justice are being proclaimed. Jeremiah is proclaiming hope when he speaks of the age to come when all things are restored and renewed. In the new age, exiles aren't possible. The new age brings new covenant. And this new covenant that will be made isn't going to be made so that God can tolerate the Israelites. The new covenant will be made because the stakes will have changed. God will fulfill his promises of justice and reconciliation to his people and the world. The new covenant is needed because all will be right in the world because God will have fulfilled the promises he made in the first one. Friends, the Old Testament is not a book that encapsulates an unhinged God. When we take off the lens of religious tropes that we've been handed down, we can see the reality of the character of God. This is God advocating for his people to join him in the justice and mercy of the kingdom of God. It is a call back to Torah, to communion, and engagement with the divine. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Friends, what's a religious trope that usually accompanies the law? Stuffy religion. Religion that holds you hostage to rules and regulations. Religion that leaves you beaten down and overwhelmed and very aware of all of your shortcomings. Anyone experienced this before? Me too. Clearly, the author of 119 loves God's law. It says, oh, how I love your law. If we set aside our modern trope of what the law is, maybe we can understand where this author's coming from. To the Jewish people, the law is a sacred covenant of the promise of God's faithful presence. The law is promises of deliverance, justice, for things to be made right in the world to come. The law is the promise of divine communion. These passages, they reiterate our good news, that God isn't just royally perturbed until Jesus comes along. God is like Jesus, and we can see that through all of Scripture. This week's gospel passage feels a bit like a part two from the sermon I preached a few weeks ago. In this passage, 
making new notes over here. Jesus is again revealing the character of God. The unjust judge isn't a teaching on how to pray hard enough to get what you want from God. I was taught that a lot growing up, that this was a lesson on breakthroughs. They taught that because the woman persisted in asking the judge what she wanted, she got it. The good news was supposed to be that you get what you need from God if you're willing to put in the time, the work, and if you had the faith. Might I say, eloquently and incredibly academically, that that message is hot garbage. (laughs) The message here instead is Jesus reminding his listeners that they know through the Torah what justice looks like. They know through their own stories passed down through the generations that God is a just God, a faithful God, even when we are not. Jesus says, if an unjust judge will grant justice, how much more then will God, a good judge, grant justice? God doesn't withhold justice from the people. And even better news, kingdom justice looks nothing like worldly justice. Jesus isn't shaming his people because they've forgotten what God is like, no. Jesus is reminding them that their own religious tropes and circumstances don't have to inform their understanding of God. Jesus is reminding his people that God did not forget or abandon them in the past and he won't do it now. Under fear of the Babylonians or fear of the Roman Empire, God does not abandon. Friends, when we, drop, when we drop the religious tropes that we have been handed down, we can see the thread through scripture of a loving, just God delighting in and pursuing his people. Church, today we proclaim the good news that you don't have to live in fear, that God is going to chastise you if he hasn't had a daily dose of Jesus. All scripture illuminates that the divine is actively pursuing and caring for his people. Friends, as I wrote this sermon, I had a lot of tropes to choose from. Growing up, I was part of the Jesus is my homeboy movement. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Father Ben knows. Self-proclaim. <laughs> Jesus' face on a pink shirt is usually hanging up at the journeys. You did like a little dance because you're like, the kingdom of God's breaking through with the journeys. <laughs> Y'all, I still love journeys. But what's the message there? Relationship over religion. And it's a perfectly fine message. The intent and the mission here are good. Don't get so caught up in the customs that you lose sight of being delighted in by the creator of the universe. Yes. As much as that trope helped many of us see an approachable Jesus, what does the trope take from us? For me, the trope did help me get in touch with my emotional connection to Jesus, but it further distanced me from the understanding of who God was. 
I had learned that God was a mighty smiter, ready to annihilate me if I didn't stay under the umbrella of Jesus. It furthered the agenda that God was ready and willing to teach me a lesson through shame and torment if I didn't take my safety blanket, Jesus, with me. Has anybody ever told you, don't go to the Old Testament without your buddy Jesus? Jesus brings us further revelation of who God is, yes, and we needed it. But friends, God is not the abusive parent and Jesus is not the parent keeping you safe. Church, today we are invited to untangle ourselves from the religious tropes that hold us captive from the good news that God is like Jesus. Church, the invitation today is not that you better know all the right things and exegete scripture correctly so that you aren't swimming in the seas of heresy. This isn't an invitation to get it all right. Church, the invitation today is to take a second look at the assumptions we've made about who God is and how he operates so that we might receive a clearer picture of the kingdom of God and of a God who loves us. God is not saying, hey, you better get on the good side here or I'm going to destroy you. Instead, God is saying, come and see the world as it is and live into a kingdom where true justice, mercy, and love reign. God says, come be in communion with me because I am a good, just, faithful God who wants to heal and restore you who wants to enjoy you. I wanna suggest that when we second guess the religious tropes that we've been given, when we see the character of God more clearly as a loving and tender God, we can begin to consent to the fact that the divine really does delight in us. Friends, what are the understandings, doctrines, and teachings that leave you wincing towards God? Where do you need fresh grace to see the true character of God in your life? What is the area of your life that you believe you have to hide from God to stay in his good graces? What religious tropes have tripped you up Church, God wants to illuminate these false tropes in your life, not so that he can reprimand you, but so that he can heal you. Today, as you pray the prayer of response, let yourselves release the tropes that have entangled you. We are meaning makers. It's part of the beauty of being human. You are not in trouble for how you have understood God. You are not shamed for needing to rework your perception of the divine. You are delighted in, loved, and enjoyed, and that is the very reason that you can do this work. God's mercy in revealing himself is so that you can understand more fully how you are beloved of God. Church, does your head know that God is good, but your body and your spirit still struggle to believe it? Mine does sometimes. 
Friends, I invite you to use our prayer of response as a way of embodying this good news. Release the unhelpful views of God and rest in the knowledge that God is a safe place for you today. As you receive Eucharist today, receive the host knowing the creator of the universe deeply loves you, meets you where you are, and is advocating for justice, mercy, and love in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.